Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betspurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Is this technically episode 500, Andy? Hey. <laughs> That uh, that is true. Although on episode number one, I did not have the sec. Oh, there it is. But yes, it is number five hundred. I uh, I never thought episode five hundred would. When we started, I didn't think like, hey, episode five hundred. I'm gonna go through a laundry list of things that happened to the Raiders this year. Because <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like again, we're we're doing the we're doing the AFC West today part of it and this is a very god this is a fun division i've been god, i've been looking forward ever. to this one but man it's kind of similar to when we did the jaguars and it's like i'd forgotten how many things urban meyer had done and then i get to the raiders i'm like i forgot how many things had happened in oh, jesus Christ. in las vegas over the course of like i don't know 13 months even just going to before last year's season so i don't know anything you want to say before we dive in we're gonna well the we city uh the city no, was I meant great. in general for yeah we, we we got vegas on the mind yeah i was in vegas <laughs> yesterday and we're vegas doing yesterday Vegas. But um, yes the uh we'll, we'll do yeah the, we should uh, mention yeah mention a couple we things. did a One. podcast last friday with mr benson yep. your manager of the circuit sportsbook because all these previews are brought to you by the circa contests that Derek is apparently going to be financing part of if you guys don't enter, which is the beauty of it. If it does not fill up, it is a guaranteed contest. There will absolutely be the, the prizes that are advertised. It does not matter if it doesn't fill up. The, all that money and all that rake-free money, you can enter up to nine of these if you combine the, the yeah. Survivor and the just the traditional pick them contest where you pick five games against the static spread that they put out on Thursday morning. Huge, huge money. Sign up. And uh, again, if you have questions about it or the proxy con or the proxy process, hit yeah. us up. I'm, I can give you a little guidance here. It's not extremely, hard. Extremely, so. extremely easy. Ex yeah, we <laughs> like met, amazing up with, met up with Maddie. <laughs> extremely, extremely easy. And yeah, let's let's get into the team. This is say we met, we met some of the deep dive Discord guys out there. We uh, met yeah. a lot of the Vsin folks out there. It was a super fun weekend overall. I uh, got to meet a couple industry people that I was dying to meet and had great time with them. Uh, went to the arts district, learned a new place in town. That place rocked. That place was cool. That was very um, cool. Yeah, so this great trip overall. Guys, so great my job wife by was you. not pleased Friday night. Yeah, Patrick. Oops. <laughs> um, yeah, we we get to say hi to uh, Adam. We tied one on Friday. We I did, did some big boy drink. I did some big boy drinking on well, Friday. We did some big boy yeah. candy eating too. <laughs> but, uh, and the combination of third and then Friday or third Saturday, we woke up early. I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm still on Central Time. I wake up. It's like four thirty in the morning, and I realize like I actually slept in. Because normally I, I get up at 5 a.m. Central Time, which is 3 a.m. on the West Coast. So like I'm like, I slept in. It's still 4. I'm like, ah, I'm going to go play some blackjack. Leave the Drink table some Bloody Marys. I'm going to yeah. have a Bloody Mary and a coffee. And then, yeah, we drank all day long. And It was a great day Saturday, really. I feel good being back, though. Yeah, it won is, some bets uh, on preseason football. Uh, by the way, it turns out uh, teasing long teasers in the preseason turn out to be quite good. Uh, yeah, so glad I know that. Right. Uh, yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, 
it was a good week of preseason football overall. Nothing really changes my opinion about any players or teams. It was just fun football. Um, let's talk about the Raiders a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Recap. There was a couple teams where it's like, yeah, this was a nice performance, but I was expecting it. So I was happy sure. that my, my preconceived notions were, <clears throat> you know, kind of confirmed. That was good. I didn't love a few things about New York, uh, the Giants squad, which, I mean, we always said there was, it's one of those things where every one of these teams, and again, if you're doing anything with NFL prep, I think this is the biggest part of getting your power numbers adjusted through the first quarter of the season. It's like, write down the things that you don't know. Because everyone's like taking notes. And here's the things we know. Write down the things that you don't know that matter. And then start answering those questions. Be like, you know, I, where do That's I, where call. do I put, where do I put Daniel Jones' performance after three weeks on a scale of one to ten? Where yeah. did I and think it would scale be? Scale of D and, to F. Is it more yeah, D and, or and F? How much? Yeah. How much do I have to downgrade him based on this? Or you know, or yeah. in, in, injuries can happen. There's there's many things that can happen. But yeah. start looking at all the things you don't know, and then try to start answering those questions over the first four games, and then uh, come to some sort of conclusion. And use your context as we're going to get to a team where, yeah, uh, you, you know, you can't always just look at the first three four games and make yeah. a conclusion based so, on who they play. This is a team that I have a lot of questions about. This Raiders team. All of all the, fir of the, the first question so. is how in the fuck did they make the playoffs? How in the blue fuck did this team keep it together through everything that happened to them last year and make a playoff spot? Absolutely the one of the most improbable playoff runs that I can remember. And uh, as we entered last season, I was cold Raiders. Yeah. Cold. I didn't like have like huge positions. We, we were like, both. I took a total, season win total was, under. Oh, you did? Okay. I yeah, was cold in close. that like like uh, the Mayock experience wasn't doing it for me. The Gruden experience wasn't doing it for me. And they stripped down that offensive line. And I literally thought they were doing it to prove that Derek Carr wasn't a guy they could build around so they could move on from him because they were going to make him play behind a bunch of nobodies who couldn't block. And I was like, well, if there's one thing about Derek Carr, if you can get him under a little bit of pressure, he's going to turn into the freaking zero. But he, he persevered. Last year, he persevered. Not only did he persevere in under difficult roster conditions, his coach left in a in a in you know in a in, in a lurch a, in a in a lurch uh, in a uh, flurry of indignity uh, for some racy emails. Some... Yeah, <clears throat> it was racist, homophobic, misogynistic. He, he did I can't, I can't really remember. But I mean, even even before the season started. They had a few higher executives jump ship, and yeah. again they didn't they didn't come out and say this is why I quit. But it was assumed to be money based because yeah. of the yeah. the the lack of money flow in this organization, yeah. which sometimes happens when you pay a coach too much. But yeah, it was week five was the Gruden email thing. Yeah, and I Somehow have a you have a conspiracy casualty. theory about Carr. I have a conspiracy <laughs> that. Because this is the only thing that's come of the entire Washington yeah, Redskins. The Raiders coach got the, fired. The, the Raiders coach <laughs> yeah, got fired. Right, and they right. lost to a very bad Bears team the year before the week before. I yeah. think maybe that was it. Like, God, Gruden. If Gruden could have beat the Bears, maybe we keep this under wraps, but we're fine getting them out of the league. This is embarrassing now. But yeah, they were three and two. They just lost the Bears game. They did start three and all, but it was against um Ravens you know, was a lucky one. Steelers the, the was Ravens was very a team, surprising. Yeah. 
the the Ravens had all those injuries coming in. They were a little uncertain. Like it, it was, it wasn't a bad three and zero, but it was a no. surprising three and zero. And then when they started to lose some games, we were both like, "All right, this is the team we expected." Here it comes. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you got the the Gruden. It wasn't a firing; he quit. Um, and then you know what? Pasaccio went seven and five as an interim, and a lot of it was close game variants. They ended up with a lot of close game variants. But you spoke about Carr. Carr had forty eight hundred fucking yards last year, Drew. It's crazy. It like four, he had more than Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow. He had thirty five fewer yards. And his Patrick his Mahomes. his wide receiver one. Is in jail. <laughs> he was in jail yeah. for half the season. He still went career year. Uh, they won, okay. f- yeah, four overtime games. So yeah. Oh, geez, the overtime. I mean, just was, was if you're going to lose yeah. a regular season win total under, yeah, a team that wins four overtime games is is usually going to do do it to you. But yeah, the the yeah you mentioned the rugs thing that was later in the season, but that was I think that was during the bye week. It was during their yeah. bye week. Massive so they came out after that, and they were totally distracted against the Giants, and they lost on the road. Um, but I guess, really, I think the key takeaway, not only was Carr's ultimate bottom line performance way, way, way better than expected, yeah. uh, he did probably the most admirable job that I can remember in recent years of being a really vocal leader in the locker room. Because if that team didn't have kind of a veteran voice to kind of keep everybody from just being like, well, this season's fucked. See you later. Next, see, see you next year. Like this thing would have unraveled horrifically after either of those two things happens, either Gruden getting, you know, canned for the racist emails or rugs killing someone like either of those things, you tanks a season. And yet the rate, you know, the car kind of kept these guys together somehow. I give it more to him than I give <clears> it to the, uh, to the interim coach. Because uh, yeah. it oh, didn't seem know, like the I mean, players, get, play, the the players played hard for Carr. They liked him. Well, and so, we mentioned it too know. when they hired Rick Focaccia, as Drew, as Dan referred to him in the chat. I called him Rick, Rick Focaccia. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned we we mentioned this last year. I think it was your theory, and I really liked it. It was he's a special teams coach, so you keep the you don't you don't make one of your coordinators have a bunch of new responsibilities. You, you put a different guy in charge, keep your coordinators, keep the some continuity going, let somebody else handle the, the day-to-day stuff and the big decisions. And I mean, they won a lot of close games, but you still need to, you still need to go out and win those games. And it's funny yeah. too, like uh, the, there's just a list, like the things that went on with this team. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to throw this in here because a lot of them are negatives and this isn't in it. See, it's, it's 2022. So it's not as big of a deal as this would have been 10 years ago, but like the Carl Nassib coming out, sure. That would have been the biggest distraction for like 20 of the teams in the league. It was like 10. It was like, it, I don't even know if it made the top 10 of distractions for this team. No. Because of, I mean, they had another player arrested for the, I don't remember yeah, if it was right. gun charges. Damon Arnett, he was like waving a gun on TikTok or Twitter or God knows what. And then he, he got arrested for threats. They had another guy, which, Honestly, I'm more mad at Nate Hobbs than anybody. After Ruggs kills a person with his car, this guy goes out and get a DUI a few weeks later. That's right. So they had another another person arrested. They had the weird game with uh, Cleveland moved to like a Monday afternoon yep. because of all the COVID. Um, yep. I, I wrote this down too just because it was just one of those years. Remember, they, they were the team that was in the lightning delay in the indoor stadium at SoFi. 
Oh, I did not remember that, that. That game was goofy too, and they ended up yeah. they ended up losing. I think that was their first one of their first losses. That was week four, I believe. But oh yeah, it was it was a trying season, and I think we do need to give Derek Carr a lot of credit. Yeah, and I think um, like that, and that in and of itself is why it, handicapping them for the twenty twenty two campaign is so tough. Because yeah, and it's it's why I mentioned the hey, find out all the things you don't have answers to, <clears throat> and some teams it's it's smaller things like I don't know. Let's I mean pick a team we would like Minnesota is like the biggest question you have to answer is how much of what you saw in the Rams offense is what you're going to see from Kevin O'Connell. Sure, like how much of a difference are you going to see from? That's the biggest thing, and maybe big, a little bit with the pa- will the will the pass rush be decent? With this mm-hmm. team, it's like everything and. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into 2022 when we get there, but and it was, again, a very, very lucky team in every aspect, except for players getting arrested and stuff, I guess. But they yeah. they won all these close games that oh, usually regresses, so but it doesn't have to. Sure, sure. And yeah, no, I mean, this that, was yeah. A, we're talking about, this is the first team we're talking about in a series on a Monday. Right. This is usually a shit old team. This is a 10-win team who went to the playoffs last year. And yep. they, you know, they lost to the Bengals, but a lot of teams lost to the Bengals. It's also a 10 win team that went to the playoffs and had to hire a new general manager and a new head coach in the offseason, which yeah. is also not usual. And you know, everything about this was weird. It's it's just a weird, weird ass team. Uh, the weirdest part of their entire season was obviously even, I mean, I say the weird, weirdest part from a betting standpoint was they almost tied week 18 and cost every sports book in America. It's, it's a opportunity to, to operate as a franchise. <laughs> that would have been one of the bigger, <clears throat> yeah. uh, you know, one of the bigger stories of betting in all of all time. I mean, that it still was the tie. The fact that it almost happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it was, I, I mean, you know, what's the Staley takes the timeout. Uh, Focaccia likes to kick to, you know, to run Jacobs one more time and then kick the field goal to get the win. And uh, the rest was history. Um, they went, to Cincinnati in the wild card round and put up a very game effort. They were in that game. They were live dogs in that one. And uh, they had two chances, I believe, to uh, to try to tie that game late. Um, there was a very memorable play uh, that I believe Carr was just a hair off target, hits a bangle in the helmet when he had Waller wide open to take it in yeah. for the game-tying touchdown in the fourth <clears> quarter there. Um, and, you know, the ball bounces a little differently in that game. We may not see the Bengals go to the Super Bowl, and our opinions about Cincinnati are very different. Um, but Carr, that was his first ever playoff game as a pro, and he acquitted himself, I thought, fairly well in that contest. He was uh, 29 of 54, 300 yards passing, uh, a touchdown and a pick, got sacked three times, lost one fumble. Uh, so it was a mixed bag in terms of stat line. But 54 pass attempts, you're carrying a playoff team in that at that point. Uh, and he was targeting Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, Darren Waller, as we mentioned, Brian Edwards. Uh, he, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot Deshaun Jackson was on this team. What was the game where Deshaun <sighs> Jackson caught the touchdown and then ran yeah. backwards? Which was that game? Do you remember? Oh, there were so yeah, many crazy things that happened with the Raiders. Sean Jackson was a... I mean, he was brought in to do one thing, which was weird because 
they had that one thing already. I don't know. Like <clears throat> that was a that was an odd pickup, I thought. But again, Waller is a high ceiling tight end. Very yes. high ceiling. Uh Renfro is an absolute, you know, target. You can give the guy 15 targets a game. And he does really well out of the slot. Like you have you have yeah. a very that's one of the questions we will not have to answer. Will the you know, if everyone stays healthy, will the receiving core be good? Yeah. It's you have your ceilings for your wide receiver one and your tight end are the best in the league, essentially. Like if if there's some pressure taken off Waller by having a true wide receiver one, he can be uh, a tight end one like that, mm-hmm. or the tight end one. He's top five, I believe, for sure. So, mm-hmm. and you have a, a nice little a nice little combination in the backfield. Like there's some, and like I said, a quarterback who threw 4,800 yards. The biggest question mark for me is a guy we saw take the offense. And again, this was so long ago. Like it's one of those things where probably not the same dude, but the McDaniels thing in Denver was bad. Like just, Mm -hmm. he, he just decided he was going to blow this up and the Cutler thing. And then every decision he made seemed to be the wrong one. And it, you know, he, he went in there with some high expectations, but this, you know, he went, Back to New England. Let's uh, let's figure this out. Went back to New England after being the Colts coach for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like probably the guy has grown. And man, what he's done with less really speaks to him as a coordinator. I just don't know about him as a head coach. Like those sometimes are two different things. You can say like I see so many things. Like look what he did with Mac Jones. Like he knew he had to baby him, and they they did how, how well they did with that at quarterback fighting through some of the cam stuff. He almost brought a team to the playoffs when Tom Brady went out in like the first day. Yeah. That, that team won 11 games in a 16 game season. Didn't make the playoffs. Like he's done a lot with less than what he has here. It just has not done it as a head coach. So it's, it's tough to say because sometimes the added responsibilities of being a head coach affect uh, an offensive or defensive coordinator and it, it's like you never see what we got out of them as a coordinator. So I don't know what your thoughts are on McDaniels, but I think that's one of the biggest things is just, uh, you know, I, How does I think it's probably an upgrade from a, you know, a special, not, not that Piscaccia, I'm going to say his name six different ways today, <laughs> did a bad job, but <clears throat> it should be an upgraded coach. And I don't know, like uh, McDaniels thoughts from you. You're the new England guy. Uh, I think, don't my expectations uh, were mixed coming in. I agree with your your overall thesis that he has a lot to work with here and it should work at times. Uh, it depends on Carr entirely and whether I you know like Carr got Carr got tested with the ultimate last year and he's persevered and it may have been circumstances that forced him in you know to to be that way to be that guy and now in a year where there's no pressure is he the same guy or does he revert in a lot of ways and is more like the guy we expect who's uh you know throwing the ball away on fourth down uh and you know just in general like not composed under pressure uh you know when the when the pass rush is getting home um and in the back of my head i can't get over that and i think the mcdaniels part of the equation for me is not like 
I, I like I never looked at what was going on with Carr and thought, God, if you could just get a good fucking play caller in here, this guy would emerge, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Like that was never really it. And that's fair. Uh, and since we've seen McDaniel's, I worry that he is still too much of just not a super person to impetuous. Like, is that that's a fair way to put it? He's a red. He's a red ass, and he's he's you know he's he's uh, he is um, he has a proclivity for getting after his guys in a way that I don't think professionals really love it, and. I think that running his, you know, running his running backs into the ground in Hall of Fame game, running, uh, you know, just in general, kind of being a red ass at camp, like that's great if you are then winning and the team's like, all right, this guy's being an asshole to us, but we're winning, so I'll put up with it. But the minute the going gets tough. <clears throat> If you kind of get into the, you know, these guys face at a halftime, you're down, you know, through two touchdowns, three touchdowns to the Chiefs, and your playoff hopes are fleeting, like they're going to tune you out. And I think that McDaniels has, he's got too much baggage and he is not conducting himself in a way that is going to, you know, really connect with this team. And I think you have a pretty fa fragile kind of relationship in that locker room right now considering Carr took over last year and really kind of motivated these guys and got them fired up in a positive way and now McDaniels is coming in with the stick right and I it's to me I think it I I was on the fence I think it's gonna fail I, I don't think this will work and if he was he had if, and if McDaniels had this roster and was in the NFC South or even the AFC South then I think I would probably feel differently. And I think it's just on the basis of winning would allow him to act like that. Right. But because the yeah, going it's easier is going to, to get put tough, up with a... yeah, the going is going to get tough. And when it does, these guys are going to quit on him. Yeah. That's my general like, vibe. Yeah. If they, it, and especially if it goes, even if it goes the other way, you don't, you can't build enough equity up with like half a season of doing well. And then, because, you know, if it starts out hot and then they run into some trials and or tribulations or a combination of both and they lose a few games and he's still acting like that, it's like the, it's like Seth Rogen, like now the fart, you know, now the tuxedos seem kind of fucked up <laughs> when, when he farted. Like, it's not, it's not fun anymore. Like, all right, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this guy's shit, but it is, it is yeah, like if they win, it's fine. Then yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah. And again, the, the biggest thing with the, the new regime and whatnot, it's like, all right, we got rid of Mayock and just we've had such poor use of draft capital for years, even high draft capital. When you did well, it's like, well, you, you got the wrong Cleveland receiver. Farrell. You got the, you got the wrong, <laughs> yeah, you runs, got the wrong yeah. defensive end. Yeah. So it's funny, like they get a guy who comes from a franchise who hasn't been great with draft capital, but for different reasons, because I don't think they, they didn't value it there. And I wonder if that was part of the reason they did, you know, uh, like, why would we use this draft pick in the first round to pick a wide receiver when we could get maybe the best wide receiver in the league right now? And yeah. we'd have to give up a draft pick next year. But, like, let's say you take a wide receiver in the first round two years in a row. You're saying, like, there's a 100% chance one of those two turns into, uh, you know, a number one 
our top five wide receiver in the league? No, it's still probably 50 50. Like, yeah. I'm fine. I mean, it was a king's ransom, but again, yeah. you get a, a sure thing. The rebuild feels weird, but it, it's like this whole this whole division is just this crazy arms race. Nobody is like backing down from re, not, not rebuilding. Like everyone's gone, gone and done win now, which is why this is going to be such a wild division. Yeah. The, the Ziegler thing was, I, I think long-term it's probably a good thing. We'll see how that goes. And then uh, hmm. did you, did okay. you see the rest of the coaching staff? Uh, uh, yeah. Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator is a guy that I was kind of, quietly watching in new york last year like this guy's might be like if things go right for this team this guy's going to be considered for a head coaching candidacy because he seems to have a unique vision and i i, I and, like and, him I mean, generally yeah. exactly like, and yeah. the year the year yeah. before what his first year he took that defense and last year they had some bad luck but he took that defense and turned it into like a top 10 yeah I mean, yeah. They, they did with, things with personnel really, that were unimpressive yeah yeah they did some things really well two years ago um and yeah, he was going to be retained by Dable. That was the yeah. plan. Said, I'm getting here. I'm keeping this guy. He was lured away. Uh, he was lured away. And he's been a DC for a few years, so he has experience. The other guy um, was a guy in the New England roster that came with McDaniels, Mick Lombardi, who is a son of a guy who yelled at Drew on a podcast. Oh, it is? That's his kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, I that was funny. But again, it's one I of those. Know who, I like, didn't know there was a connection there. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you're the OC, but it's, okay. it's McDaniel's team. It's McDaniel's so. job. Okay, so a couple of interesting more thoughts just in the organizational structure here. Um, Mike Mayock leaves after a very weird tenure. A lot of the players that performed well in a playoff run last year were guys that Mayock got but they were guys he got later in the draft, <laughs> right? Like yeah. Hunter Renfro may ultimately be a poor man's, you know, Cooper Cup. That's not crazy. Uh, his potential for kind of contributing at a high level is very real. He's 26 already. He's got paid, but like he's going to be a good contributor to this team. They got him in the fifth round. Uh, similarly, like you had an absolute breakout last year from Max Crosby uh, at Edge. They got Max Crosby in the fourth round, right? Uh, Dan Denzel Perryman, second round pick, uh, although he was picked by the Chargers. Uh, and then, you know, he was he was a solid performer for them as a linebacker last year. Um, I think they got Andre James offensive lineman. I, I have as their highest graded lineman from last season. I think he was undrafted. He's you know, he's now coming into his third year, so he's solid. Um, but then the other guys they took, like Alex Leatherwood and that list of guys who aren't even on the team anymore that we named, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, when you're, you know, when your cornerback room is trash and, you know, Desmond Arnett is not, no, Damon Arnett is not contributing because he's, you know, in dealing with legal problems, like that's what gets you fired. Uh, and there was just too many of those at the top of the draft for Mayock, which is why he's moving on. But like, there are definitely, are a lot of pieces on this roster if McDaniels can can put it together correctly. And I think in general, uh still very concerned about the secondary. But uh I think uh, uh I think Patrick Graham is a guy that I would believe in doing something solid with this unit of players because there's not like I mean there's I don't know. Do you call the secondary a hole or do they yeah, have no, it? it is, uh, okay. If you're going to call anything a hole, the secondary is a hole. So, okay. and I, okay. I mean, last touch on like coaching is 
John Gruden was a good coach. Like he was a good play play designer. Play good. designer, yeah. schemer, planner. Yeah. He may not have been a good leader. And he was kind of a knob, but like they met there's there's a non-zero chance they are worse a worse coach team this year. Because we have like in the in the distribution of results for McDaniels is like, yeah. oh, this guy's just never going to cut it as a as a head coach. He's a really good coordinator when he's on a good staff, and that's it. So I I I don't want to be like, you know, Chucky was a really, really good head coach in all the aspects, but he put together good game plans and made things happen, like Derek Carr throwing for that many yards and winning a bunch of close games, like kept yeah. him in games. And I had him as a good in-game and, adjustment guy, too. And dealt, dealt with mm-hmm. Mayock's drafting. And who knows how many, if he had his fingers in that pie a lot too, if he was part of the problem with some of the talent acquisition, but the top, the top, the top, the first round picks over the last couple of years, it's, it's a really, really, really bad list. It's a really bad list. Um, And it's a lot of guys that aren't going to be on this team next year, which says even more. Um, Yeah. So McDaniels 2.0, I was 50, 50 in the off season. I'm like 25, 75 now. I think it's going to be a little bit of a surprise if this works long term. And McDaniel's grinders just doesn't have the same ring. No, no. And I mean, you know, he it seems like he's still inclined to operate like he's Bill Belichick, like he's won lots of Super Bowls, but he was the offensive coordinator on a lot of Super Bowl teams, <laughs> not the coach. So yeah. it's tough to get away with that uh, in the NFL. Yeah, and then for, furthermore, just popping back real quick to not 2021, but after the season, they also got rid of uh, team president after the season. Oh, really? And then he came back and said that it was a bad work environment, and then when he brought it up, he got fired. <laughs> like it's oh. still, it still might just be a mess inside this team. So I mean, those are the kind of things that turn into the Washington situation, where it's like. Oh, this just keeps getting worse. Nobody wants to come here now because they don't have money. And I mean, there was spinning, a lot. We heard spinning through a bunch of coaches. And yeah, we heard. We, we've heard long, hilarious stories about Mark Davis going back ten years. <laughs> like he's he's a weird guy. The other owners don't like him, uh, and in general, like you know, uh, you know, it's it's it. Yeah, going back to even Chucky getting fired was hysterical. That was the outcome of the Redskins doing a a big time internal investigation. I didn't even bring up the him posting "I I can breathe" on Twitter. Yeah, right. And then leaving it up for a long time. Like, yeah, Mark. Oh no! Like, what what is going on in this in this city now, guys? So yeah, it's um, tough. Well, we'll 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 finish up with the defense, but just I wanted to hear your thoughts because again. This defense, like you said, Max Crosby had 10 sacks. They brought in Chandler Jones, which I mean, you could have a really nice combo. You have you have some other pieces on this, you know, on this defense that will be okay. You probably have a pretty bad secondary, but if you can continue to get stuff out of them, maybe Rocky Sin is a little bit uh you know, he's still early really in his don't. career. We we could see something out of him or Morig. Who again? These are younger players that I'm not all out on yet, but with you know with Chandler Jones and you got uh, Perryman, yeah. Like there, there's 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 definitely pieces here, and then I mean even even 
maybe some some extra linebacker help they have. I'm trying to look at this. Cleveland Farrell is now <laughs> delegated to depth, but again, did they lose have... Quentin Jefferson? It looks like they did. Yeah, I he's. Had him, I had him graded pretty high. That was the, that's the only player that they lost that I was like, oh, that uh, that that might actually be a problem. Uh, sure. I'm not, I mean, Yannick Ngakwe obviously is a talented player, but you replace him with Chandler Jones. That's one for one in my mind. Um, Max Crosby is that Max Crosby is the guy that you care about in that defensive line anyway, in terms of production. And so as long as you just have some other talented players, I think you're going to get the most out of Max Crosby. That guy rocks. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, P Perryman is a good player by my grades. The secondary all graded failing for me last year. Casey Hayward was the only borderline guy. Uh, Trevor Mooring as a rookie. So I, if you want to say needs more time, you know, it's, it's and hard and fine, for safety to the, come in the, and just, the other guys, Jonathan Abram, that guy doesn't deserve to be starting in the NFL. Uh, Nate Hobbs, super, super, super low grade on him, but he was a rookie. Um, Trayvon Mullen, super low grade on him, but he didn't play much. Um, yeah, Rocky Sin is a tough one, man. Uh, I do not know if uh, I do not know if that's the answer. And considering the help that the indie defense gives their corners from the linebacker core in terms of pass protection you know in terms of you know just the scheme in indy and the way that they played uh you know played the pass it felt like yurakison should have done better with the t chances he had there and the fact that he yeah. didn't makes me think he's not going to <laughs> so um i I, you know. I thought he was only on his third year it's his fourth year so yeah jesus the guy's not as yeah. young as i thought and again we're coming i said nice things about gus bradley on a different podcast but this was a gus team so you get like that you get that right. cover three um we joke about like the zero or the you know like who is it we used to joke about where they they'd line the safety up like 50 yards off the ball it was uh, Greg Williams. Greg Williams. I mean, it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Like. What was it? Jabril Peppers. Keep keep going. Peppers, oh, keep, keep going. Keep going. Go yes, keep going. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rock, yeah. Rock, yeah. Rock, similar, rock similar sign of defense. So, again, we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's just with a different defensive mentality from Graham. We'll see a bump. If they get a, if the defense plays better than we expect, then – then this team probably is a scary team that, again, it should be uh, a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. And, again, we talked about it a little, and this is where I wanted to go with it, based on your grades yeah. of everything but the offensive line, I would expect you to have this as you know a team that could tickle their way into the top 10 of offenses. And I wanted your thought on the offensive line because – they have a very big negative, and that's that none of them are any good. <laughs> I, I but but their positive is they're all back. They're all. And we've back, seen yeah. that. We've seen that where it's like a team had a middling offensive line, but there was continuity, and they played each other. They played with each other a bunch. So I mean, continuity does matter a lot in a positional group, and especially in this. I don't know then it's just going to magically make them better. But if they are better, like that, that is what, and of all the things we've talked about, so like Derek Carr was great last year. Derek Carr is horrible under pressure and horrible, he played yeah. behind a bad offensive line. Like that's another feather in his cap. So if we have an offensive line that plays even league average, 
then this offense is scary, I think. Again, it yeah. depends. We've seen wide receivers change teams and just never have it again. I don't I don't subscribe to that with Devontae. I think he's good enough not to let that happen. But yeah, yeah. Um yeah, your yeah, thoughts but, on the offense. Uh I think the offensive line is better than people grade. Um okay. I mean, there's clear uh over they clearly overshot draft capital wise for both Leatherwood and Colton Miller like neither of those guys should have been top 20 picks and they both were and those are your two tackles and the tackle question marks are real and Leatherwood may not even play tackle right like he might who knows what his ultimate assignment ends up being um but they have a really really good young center in my opinion in Andre James I had him I had him graded very well last year, and he had some tough assignments last year too. Like he 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 held his own uh, in some tough assignments. I thought so. I, you know that being a good anchor is real. Uh, the guards I have is just fine, not great. I don't have, actually know anything about Lester Cotton, but John Simpson I have his fine grade on him. So I think the offensive line is going to be league average, and I think Derek Carr, assuming that like he gels with McDaniel's could give you another year like you saw last year. Like there could be another one. But I'm also very prepared for a big old fat regression because the circumstances were so weird last year and I'm still very, very hesitant to buy that car made a leap that's life-changing. And now he's a bona fide guy that just, you know, is just going to start for another five years in the NFL, right? Like he, there are still, in the back of my head, I am, you know, waiting for the mistakes to show back up and, I don't know that you ever fix that, even if you do have, you know, a season like he had last year. Because, like, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, this cuts one of two ways. Either all the pressure is off this year, and he's like, you know, it's kind of back to the old me, or all the pressure is off, and all of a sudden he's playing even better <laughs> because of the weapons they have and because he can focus more on his roles and responsibilities instead of just kind of keeping the players from quitting on the team. So, um Grading wise, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, I have as one of the more dynamic one-two wide receivers across the whole NFL. Those guys are both they they are complementary. They both run routes exquisitely. In fact, that's Devontae Adams' strength. If people, if you kind of ask like the wide receiver Knicks, like what was the, you know, what was good about um Adams, it was almost always his uh, you know, the the route running ability and creating separation from corners. Uh, and you know, the fact that he played with Aaron Rodgers was gravy. Rodgers could deliver a ball on time to a place where only he could catch it. But, uh, you know, there was perfect chemistry between those two, two players. And I don't see why there wouldn't be between him and Carr. Carr throws a decent deep ball call. Carr doesn't have any obvious holes in his game besides the potential, you know, the, the, the proclivity for sucking under pressure. Um, so yeah, the 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 fact that uh, you know people throw Waller into the discussion here, who's a twenty nine year old tight end. Uh, my grade on Waller last year was pretty bad, actually. Um, I think his Pro Bowl season in twenty twenty was probably the peak you're going to get out of that player. Um, you know, he progressed. He made a big fat leap. Uh, in 2019 to being very, very good. He was the, did you know he was a third voted comeback player of the year that year? Uh, I had forgotten that entirely. Um, but then, yeah, the Pro Bowl he made in 2020 for Vegas, that was a great season from him as a tight end. And then last year I had him regressing pretty aggressively. So I think he's 
gravy. I don't know that you're really even counting on him much in the past game. I think this is the Devonte Adams and uh, and uh, Hunter Renfro show. And then you know whatever you get in the uh, out of the running game from what is a very uninspiring, but at least there's a bunch of guys <laughs> in the in the running back room. Uh, you know, is probably matters a lot less than you know the way that um, Carr can get the offensive line to gel to buy him time and then develop uh, a little bit of chemistry with Devontae Adams, then all of a sudden we're talking about a good uh, a good offense. And uh, the Raiders' ceiling, if everything goes right for me, top 10, uh, and their floor is pretty high because I like these wide receivers. Uh, I'd be surprised if they finished below 20. What about you? Yeah, no, that's where I'm at. <clears throat> unknowns are the offensive line taking any sort of meaningful step forward and mostly the coaching. Like I believe the receivers will be fine. You have good running backs and then, yeah, yeah the defense should have a good pass rush and maybe bad secondary, maybe an over steam, but yeah, going, let's, uh, I mean, yeah, going into the season, I have them as the 10th ranked offense. Yeah, that's fair. Let's take a look at their schedule of games that they will play this year. And I don't know, a bit of a mixed bag. There's there's some toughies on here, just but it's one of those things where, you know, we joked, uh, oh, you know, you get to play, you get to play the Jags and the Texans four times, like that's just gonna make your schedule a little easier by most metrics. It's the opposite, like, hey, you play the Chargers and Kansas City and Denver, who is likely <laughs> greatly improved to like it's just when that's you know a third of your schedule is in a really, really tough division. It doesn't take a lot to make it a fairly tough schedule because if you look at their out of, out of uh, division games, I'm trying to like, what, what if Denver's good? Like if Denver's actually good, like are there division games, their six hardest games? Uh, no Rams, Tennessee on the road. Tough. Oh, the they Niners. Play, All right. I'll, I'll count the, the Niners. I'll give you. But yeah. That's, they a, play, that's a nice uh, spot for them. They play some really challenging quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying they have most easy of it's games. most of its division. You're right. This is, yeah, all, it is this a is, lot of division. the division. Their division is so fucking hard. Yeah. Having to play Mahomes twice with this secondary, having to play Mahomes twice, Russell Wilson twice, and Justin Herbert twice is a fucking, that's a disaster. And then you add Stafford to the mix. Trey Lance at the end of the season. Uh, Mac Jones at the end of the season. Um, Bailey Zappi. Matt Ryan in the middle Matt of the season. Matt Ryan. Yeah. Jameis Winston possibly. Yeah. Th this this is actually. It's a really leaning. Kyler Murray's on there. Yeah, they're like I I would be, I you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through and do like a just a, a hardest schedule from a quarterback opponent ranking. I like that. Because uh, I'm curious, but without going tracking in that down and doing that number, I would be shocked if this isn't top five most difficult in terms of op opposing quarterbacks. I wouldn't be surprised like if it. two of the top five it, are actually, in this you know division. what? Yeah, this has got to be number one because you're playing Herbert twice, Mahomes twice, and Wilson twice. No one else yeah, is doing that. Yeah. You switch out any one of those guys for Carr, and I think it's an easier schedule because I have Carr as the fourth fourth highest rated quarterback out of those four. What about you? Well, yeah, yeah, that's fair. And then, I mean, there's not like super super disadvantageous spots outside of maybe that 
late that late game in Pittsburgh. The Tennessee game isn't great, but again, it's coming off a home game at least. Your buy is kind of wasted on a what could be the worst team ever. Like Houston has a really, really, really low floor. Like it stinks <laughs> to waste a buy on. Yeah, you probably a really you, bad. A, like a you, game are you going to talk game. yourself out of taking the points with Houston in that game? Probably, right? <laughs> that's like yeah, Houston no, I don't, pass. That's a Houston or pass spot. You know, it's Houston or pass, and that's probably just a pass because that's a that's a game that ends up you know with a team winning by thirty half the time, and the other half is the, the Raiders stumble over their dick coming out of the uh, bye because yeah. they have a essentially a rookie head coach again who hasn't done it in a while. Yeah. Doesn't know how to prep a team right coming out of a bye, and we we see a horrible performance. So, yeah, not a spot, not a game. I'm super excited to get involved with. Uh, but again, there's a few, a few spots here where it's like, man, if this offense is good, and it really really shows out, and the defensive secondary can't get anybody covered, like, why aren't we betting like over 54 in the KC game and laughing when that? comes through in the middle of the third quarter because oh, it's just there there could be some really really fun track meets with some of these better offenses yeah starting with that chargers game that's going to be one yes. of the best that might be the best afternoon game on week one what are the other ones in the afternoon do you remember no idea um I'm, that's a big number two three and a half i'm not going to play that game I don't really have an edge there. I thought that was fair, but boy, is that good? That's a big number. If that goes to four. It's going to be tough to not play the Raiders. Don't want to, but um, this is a tough schedule, no matter how you slice it, particularly, uh, you know. But I think you're, these are going to be entertaining games. Uh, cool as hell that we get four primetime games out of them, including three in a row. Thursday night, they got the funny one though. They got Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and then they're playing Saturday at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Um, Saturday night football, uh, three 8 p.m. kickoffs in a row. They also have some early. They kickoffs. were supposed to have a Saturday one, game last two, year, and I think it got pushed. That was the one that got pushed to Monday after. That was the one that got pushed. Yeah, they got <clears> they got <throat> one, two, three of the four. The Raiders specials, this always happens to the Raiders more than any other West Coast team, but they got to play four early kickoffs on Sunday. Tennessee is an early kickoff. New Orleans. The, the only bad one, too, is KC. the double. The New Orleans-Jacksonville. That'll be the bang, spot bang. where we'll watch, like, hey, bang, are the bang. Raiders going to spend? You know, it'd be funny if they spent that time in, like, Atlantic City. We didn't, we didn't <laughs> want to get them too far away from, from the casinos. <laughs> the, the New Orleans-Jacksonville. No, they're going to take them Lake Charles. After Lake they Charles, there you go, Lake right Charles, and then to right to Jacksonville. Yeah, this will be super go. funny if that actually um, that comes to fruition. But um, yeah. yeah, it's a toughish schedule, and I mean, I don't know if you have anything else, but the odds are probably a little off. Then, yeah, I think so too. Um, I think I just uh, I feel like every yeah, you know, I feel like it's this is a lazy take. It sounds I feel like probably everybody said this about the Raiders, but uh, last year the way that winds broke their direction uh you know it's tough to see that happening again on top of just in general some of the weaknesses but super bowl 40 to 1 afc 25 to 1 are both easy passes afc west 7 to 1 is an easy pass i would need probably about 10 to 1 to play that to make the playoffs yes plus 170 is cray cray crazy um that should be like in the plus 220 range regular season win total over under eight and a half 
I think this is an alt win total under or pass type of situation. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a quick heel turn for me. If Carr and Adams and McDaniels are like the three amigos who are vibing hard in like the first quarter of the season, it's going to be like, Oh buddy, we got a, we got ourselves an old fashioned, uh, you know, shootout in the AFC West where just take the dog, you know? Like the NFC West last year, the joke we made all fucking season, like just take the dog. Uh, these teams aren't that far apart. Like if Carr and Adams and McDaniels are all on the same page and by them, then this Raiders team is going to be quick, quick, quick to upgrade. I think. What do you? What do you that, think? That that is my my betting plan of attack is hope this team loses games and getting to continue to bet them as a dog with a good offense. Nothing better like than that. having a dog price and your team is God, down by your team's call. down and they have the offense to get right back in it. And betting them as a dog, betting them as a dog on their team total over, betting some oh, overs and some spots. Some but second yeah, half bets on them. I mean, you get a 50 remember- and they're a three-point dog. Like, you're going to give me like a – what if we get a 21 for some of these team yeah. totals and these higher – like, yeah, all day long with that. Do you remember what McDaniels – in-game decision-making was like from his time in Denver? Was he a good adjuster of I don't know. I have no idea. Nor, I nor can't do really I, remember. Yeah, nor do I want to like use any data from like 10 years ago. Okay. okay. Different okay. man. I mean, think about you 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I was, was a minus EV player. Yeah, very, very you had short hair. You looked yeah. silly. Looks stupid. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. And I mean, Patrick kind of nails one too. This division is a crapshoot. Zero futures on anything. That might be the the actual plan of attack for this division. It's very hard to like, because you're taking a stand against, uh, if you want to take a stand, you're taking a stand against some damn good teams. Like have fun with that. Some really good quarterbacks, some really good offense. Pumping the brakes, I'll be betting this team, you know, in game or in a few spots here or there, depending on uh, how things hash out. Yeah. Oh man, are you intrigued at all by that week one spot against uh, the Chargers at plus three and a half? That's not enough to get you out of bed. It's a pretty good line. Oh, okay. Um, I would bet the dog if you made me bet it. I'm not laying it, but does does what I said about the NFC West last year apply? Just bet the dog always. Remember that? That was funny yeah. when it kept like they kept winning outright too. There was a bunch yeah. of them where. Man, just cashing plus 200 dogs like two out of three games. Why aren't we betting this? Like every game between two AFC West opponents should probably be inside three. Right? Yeah. If you can get get a bigger number than that, you just take the dog. 